Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. We are on the brink of an absolutely titanic struggle at Portman Road on Saturday. So much to talk about on this show and I'm pleased to say to join me, Mark Heath, your host, I've got two of my fellow Kings, Stuart the Dr. Watson and Roscoe the Beard, the immobile one in terms of vehicular transport, unless someone else is driving, Ross Halls. Stewie, I'm going to start with you. Um, I've already told you this, but I want to put it on record in a public setting. Uh, Monday's podcast was absolutely tremendous. I really enjoyed it. It was a proper, like, analytical, intellectual, intelligent look at all things Ipswich Town ahead of the Burnley game. Um, I, th- I thought it was it was a really, really good listen. Um but it did, it did, I'm afraid, I have to say, it did lack one key thing. Um, and that, my friend, and I don't know how you overlooked it, really. At no point did you analyse the end of Happy Valley. What were we doing? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what, lacked one thing, and that was me. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> me and not. my would... teeth and my hosting <laughs> skills, which you'd be right to say, because it was just two men going down a football rabbit hole. It was very, it was very light on the light stuff, but... Um, yeah, if, if lots of heavy football chat's your thing, then maybe that was one for you. But um, yeah, do you want to talk about Happy Valley? We can Let's if you do want. it. I bet Ross doesn't watch Happy Valley, do you, Ross? Of course he doesn't, know. No, I tried to have... Andy couldn't give me any chat on this, so I had no one to talk to in the car about this on the way to and from Burnley. Um, I was all right with the ending. I know you wasn't I know you wasn't too pleased. It was a bit one of those all, all tied up in a bow sort of uh, endings, wasn't it? But... It was okay. Mm. There was some bit. There were some subplot bits where they spent the whole time talking about the pharmacist guy, and then it was just like, "Oh yeah, go and arrest him." Just explained <laughs> away. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I was, I was underwhelmed. Uh, you know, the, the dialogue was brilliant, and the acting obviously incredible with that final face off. And I don't want to give any spoilers. Um, but then it just felt for me, as you say, all these kind of other storylines they've been building up, um, which were really kind of compelling and interesting. And they just—it's almost as if they ran out of time. And just went, oh, just add it on at the end. No one will notice. And that was it. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. What a series. What an actress um, Sarah Lancashire is. And uh, James Norton, I think his name is, the guy who plays Tommy Lee Royce, who is, in real life, incredibly posh. I don't know if you've heard him actually talk. He's a real posh boy. Um, fantastic, compelling TV. And a fantastic, compelling pod, Stu. So well played for that. Really enjoyed it. I know a lot of other people did. Rossi, um, you don't watch Happy Valley. You probably haven't listened to Monday's pod. Um, how are you? What have you been doing since we last spoke? I've been to Burnley. I'm back. Um, <laughs> yeah. And actually, no, I did actually listen to the pod because, um, you know, I'm always interested to hear what Stu and Nanny's got to say. And um, yeah, I think for the for the football fan in you, what's it, in-depth insight, Stu and Andy are your men. <laughs> To do that, and um, I think a lot of there's a lot of praise for those guys. I think sometimes that's what we need. I think we just need a nice little get in deep, talk about the the key talking points from a, a terrible Saturday um, in Cambridge. Um, although it was a nice curry I had after the game, that was very nice. Won't get into that though. But um, but yeah, I'm all good though. That's the analysis you also lacked on Monday, Stu. Ross's mm. curry analysis. Um, right then, clearly there's a lot to talk about today. There's a, there's the biggest game of the season um, just around the corner at Portman Road on Saturday. There was a big game though on Tuesday night, and we, it's only right we start there with a brief look back at your trip to Burnley. Um, Stu, it, on paper, this was this was a game that we all kind of thought that Town would lose. Let's be honest, um, and it was really an exercise in going out with heart and courage and spirit and showing a bit of pluck, and they duly did. They went toe to toe with a side that we're playing in the Premier League next season 
and it took more than 180 minutes to separate them. Um, despite the fact said side scored at home inside the first minute in this replay. Um, kick us off with your thoughts. Yeah, I, there was a definite... Is that? Can you hear that beeping in the background, my my alerts that are coming through, by the way? Or is that okay? Okay, so uh, as long as it's I just in my ears, that's fine. Um, teams is kicking off. Ugh. Um, forget about it. Right. Um, yeah, there was a definite difference between those that were there and had watched the game and those that had maybe just seen the result in terms of the reaction, I thought, having a look at social media, that there was those that looked at it and went, oh, Ipswich conceded in stoppage time again. You know, um, I don't care how spirited the performance was. It's all about results. And, you know, we're not we're not winning these fine margin games. If you was there and you watched that game, um, you'd have really enjoyed that. That was a real proper football match, a proper cup tie. Um, Ipswich can hold their heads very high after that. It was the perfect tonic to that Cambridge game. It was everything that we bemoaned about Cambridge that was lacking in that, in terms of fight, aggression, intensity, tempo. Um, it was uh, it was in abundance up at, up at Burnley against a very, very, very good football team. So um, lots to like. Lots to like at all. Um, no real negatives to take away from it, apart from the fact that they couldn't couldn't quite get it over the line. But that was obviously always a tall order. And um, yeah, it, really, I was quite pleased it didn't go to extra time because only, <laughs> only one. Yeah, a for deadlines and from a logistical point of view. B because we had a long way to. Well, we stayed we stayed overnight. We stayed near Rochdale. So an insight into the uh, the glamour of our lives. Um, but. Um, mainly because I don't think an extra 30 minutes would have been uh, great for Ipswich because Burnley were, were clearly the team on top at, at the end of, of that football match. The 30 extra 30 minutes wouldn't have been ideal preparations for Saturday either. Yeah. But um, little, yeah, little, overall, lots to like. A little peek behind the curtain here, friends. Um, Sue's mentioned there that uh, it didn't go to extra time. Myself and the head of production had a little celebration, I'm afraid to admit, uh, when there was a winning goal. We didn't really care who got the winning goal. We just wanted there to be a winning goal in normal time because the star deadlines are ridiculously tight on a normal match day. And with extra time, potentially penalties, it would have been a nightmare. So we had a little fist pump celebration. Um, town, yes, they lost, but they went out in in style, as it were. And it also made our lives much easier, which is the main thing. Rossi, I watched game day afterwards. Great to see the King of the North on there and Liz making her debut. The feeling I got, and I'm sure you can tell me more about it, was just a kind of genuine feeling of, of pride around the, the performance and, and what Town did on Tuesday night. Yeah, very much so. I, I will admit, like everybody else, when Burnley took the lead in like 50 seconds, we thought, oh God, could this be the night where we do actually get maybe smashed? Because, you know, going early, you know, in front really early on. But then, of course, we got the equaliser quick on, and I thought, okay, here we go, game on, mm. and... As Stu said, it was a great football match, end to end. Um, I thought Town were edging in the first half. We had, you know, a lot of good chances. Um, Shawnee Aluko in the midfield, oh, what a player he is, honestly. You know, as you know, I've got my rule over thirties get in the bin, but he can carry on as long as he wants. He can carry on because he's been fantastic. But um, no, those players did himself, um, you know, proud. And yeah, it's just a late goal. Um, afterwards, I just thought, do you know what? 180 minutes against Burnley. Top of the championship, you know they got a great record at Turf Moor. They took Man United to you know a really good game in the League Cup, you know last year. So yeah, I'm proud of the boys, and I'm, I think Town fans are too. 
Mm, a lot of praise from the Burnley end as well, wasn't it? Nathan Teller said they were better than a lot of the sides had played this season. Of course, they just dumped Norwich 3-0 on Saturday. I don't know if those two things are related. Um, Siri, let's, the, I don't want to spend ages breaking down this game because obviously it's a couple of nights ago. We've done loads of content around it. But I guess the main talking point was the winning goal and um, whether or not there was a foul on Wolfenden in the build-up. Certainly the players seemed to think it was a foul and, and McKenna after the game certainly gave that impression. What, what was your take on it? Uh, I thought it was a foul at the time, and I still think it is a foul. Looking back mm. back at it, um, Ashley Barnes is obviously a bit of an experienced campaigner. Uh, I think he leads with his arm, but all that said, I think Luke Wolfenden also has to be stronger there in a in a fifty fifty duel. I don't think either of them actually get a touch in the end. The ball actually sort of just goes over the top of them. Um, still a really good finish after that, but um, anywhere else on the pitch, I think that that gives an you know if that's in the centre circle and another stage in the game, you. It's a foul, and I think uh, they'd be wanting a foul if it was the other way round. That said, I think Ipswich got away with a big penalty decision not long before that, around the 81st minute. Um, and Burnley, as I've alluded to, Burnley were on top. Um, and I'm not really sure what Ipswich's game plan at that point was because they were sort of engaged in a bit of time wasting mode, mm. um, and they were getting deeper and deeper. And you know, if if it had got to extra time, it's almost like it, they'd forgotten that they still had to play another 30 minutes if they'd have been able to see it out to the final whistle. So uh, I, I thought it was a foul, but I, equally, I think you know that, that winner was coming for Burnley, whether it was going to happen in stoppage time or whether it was going to happen in, in the extra time that follows, but we'll never know. All right, one final question then, because it leads into Sheffield Wednesday, Rossi, and Stu will have thoughts on this as well, is players who put their hands up, in this game, you have to take the opportunity with both hands. Not good enough taking it with one hand or just a couple of fingers. You've got to grab it with both hands. Um, did anyone do that in this game? I know from the ratings, um, George Hurst with Hutch, he's man of the match. Hutch, he's not around today, obviously. Um, and also a lot of praise for the likes of Aluko and and, and Greg Lee. Um, who, who for you stood out, if any? Those players you really mentioned. Um, <laughs> like George Hurst, like... He's claiming that, isn't he, that goal? I think there was some talk about could it be an own goal? It's very it looked like an own goal to me, watching the replay. Yeah. yeah. So, But, you know, for a striker, you claim all of it, don't you? Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's not talk about it anymore. Let's not um, highlight it anymore. Um, and do you know what? I, I'm not going to say the, the naughty word, but they were... Actually, I'm going to quote John Watson here. They were goosed, um, the players. So I think another 30 minutes in extra time, they would have been... Very goosed indeed for the rest of that game. I, I um, don't think John Watson is the one that's sort of most famous for use, using that phrase. Um, I think Mick McCarthy might might he might yeah, have taken but, that one from Mick. But um, if but you're I'm king of the north, the, you absolutely yeah, yeah. have to be using the the word goosed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But I, I thought I just I just thought I'd mention it. I won't say the, the naughty word. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, Shawnee Aluko for me. Um, for his for his pass to to Caden Jackson for then George Hurst's goal, um, and then Caden Jackson against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, you know when he played against Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Hillsborough had a fantastic game, and in this game against Burnley and the the game at Porton Road, he was fantastic. And once again, hmm. he he was great in this game at Turf Moor. And maybe his chance, he had a great chance in the second half. Should he have scored it? Probably should have. And maybe you never know. We're talking about us being the next round. So, but but yeah, no, all rounds. Kenny Jackson, Shawnee Aluko, George Hurst possibly start. They're the ones I'm thinking about. Okay. Uh, and also, Stewie, we expect to see a midfield of Luongo and, and Humphreys. Um, Luongo is injured, despite doing the pre-match press, which I thought was unusual. That doesn't usually work out like that. 
Huh? He, he didn't. Peek behind the curtain. Uh, peek behind the curtain. They decided to change the pre-match press conference to the day of the game, which is highly unusual. Ah, okay. uh, the team had flown up to Manchester on Monday. Uh, Kieran McKenna just asked uh, to change the press conference to Tuesday morning, which was uh, we could not attend because we were had our own travel arrangements up. So uh, on Monday, without any pre-match stuff, I delved back to find Massimo Luongo's programme interview from the ah, original Burnley game. Okay. And I dusted that off and I gave it a little tweak and it did the job as the uh, the prelude to this match instead. Very resourceful, Stewie. <laughs> I just stressed that I was off on Monday, hence uh, I have no idea about all this. I just saw like everyone else, Longo done an interview. I assumed yep. it was the pre-match presser. Um, so it, I've it got was egg not, all over my face now. But it was a fair assumption that Massimo Luongo would probably play in this game, having seen yeah. Lee Evans go off injured at halftime against Cambridge. Um, but it turns out he was injured. He didn't travel um, along with Lee Evans, who picked up that aforementioned knock. Wes Burns was the other player that wasn't part of the squad. Um, McKenna admitted afterwards that they've all got injuries. Uh, didn't really want to go into too much more detail on that. Understandable, given the magnitude of the game coming up on Saturday. Uh, they're all players that we will have to assess over the coming days. Mm. Uh, as per usual, social media is full of uh, ideas about how long certain players will be out for. McKenna, I am sure, will want to keep his cards close to his chest when he does his press conference tomorrow. We'll see. Um but yeah, those three were all injury absentees, which meant for a midfield of Morsi and Humphreys. Okay, right, and Stu ties a nice little bow on this then. Ipswich Towns FA Cup adventures this season. We have to call it a cup run compared to the absolute shite we've been served up for a decade previously. How will you reflect on, on what Town did in the FA Cup this season? Yeah, that's what I want from, liked it. That's what I want from the FA Cup. It's something that can give you a bit of fun along the way in the season. I think this will be... You know, in years to come, when we look back at this season, that will be one of the. Hopefully, it's not the thing that is remembered for this season, but it's a little, it's a little sub point that you can look back on and go, "That was quite fun." Starting off, starting off at Bracknell, that was very different. Uh, beat a Championship side along the way. I think these two games against Burnley will stick in the mind in terms of um, a marker of of how Ipswich could potentially perform in the Championship. It's uh, on the better pitches against teams mm. that want to play football a little bit more. I think it's just it's it's a useful reminder that what Ipswich are trying to do, while while it will have its difficulties in getting out of League One, and there might be some potentially some cheat codes and shortcuts that you can turn to to get out of League One a little bit more. But that then has a, a limitation in terms of how far it can take you. So hopefully Ipswich um, will, will reap the rewards in, in hopefully getting over the line and then being able to kick on and, and uh, you know compete at, at the higher level again if those two games are anything to go by. That's the perfect segue, Stu. Nathan Teller said after the game that Town have got habits of a championship side. Um, so you could argue perhaps Ipswich Town are a championship side playing in League One, a side that would be relatively mm. successful in the Championship. And of course, to do that, friends, as we all know, they've got a huge game, a huge step towards that this weekend. Sheffield Wednesday at home, the biggest game of the season so far, certainly one of the biggest home games they've got left, depending on the promotion scenarios as we get really towards the business end of the season. Um, just so I can put it in black and white, the importance of this game. If they beat Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, which we all hope they do, we know there'd be a minimum 
best case scenario, three points off second place with 16 games left. If they lose, they could drop to fifth on Saturday evening. Bolton and Derby could both overtake them with wins. Derby are at Wickham, Bolton are at Peterborough. That's a worst case scenario. Sheffield Wednesday, as if you need reminding, they've won six league games in a row. They've not lost since October the 4th when they were beaten 2-1 at Plymouth. Obviously, long-time leaders of the league. Uh, there's a lot to talk about around this, but Stu, do you want to kick us off just with your your general thoughts as we approach this? It's, it's truly the kind of a testing ground, isn't it? A statement game, a chance to draw a line in the sand and really ignite the promotion push. Yeah, those stats sound quite daunting when you read them out like that in mm. black and white. Uh, you could say that Burnley's stats were equally foreboding when we talked about going into the two games against then, but they, you know, they made changes. The FA Cup is a different competition. It doesn't quite have the same edge to it that this game has. Um, the good thing is that Sheffield Wednesday had their replay as well at Fleetwood on Tuesday night. I think 10 changes by Darren Moore for that game up at Fleetwood, gave a 17-year-old his debut, which gives you an idea of the, the you know the approach that they they took to that game. Um they ended up losing 1-0 to Fleetwood and did have to turn to his bench to try and bring on um the likes of Byers and Windass and Michael Smith in in that game to try and chase it. Um but to no avail. Um yeah, I what what else is there to say other than this is a this is a, a massive, massive game, uh, and Ipswich have, have heaped extra pressure on it with uh, with the points that they've dropped mm. leading up to it. Um, yeah, let's hope the real Ipswich Town can can turn up, and um, you know we'll have another another one of those sort of Portman Road big days at Portman Road. And to be fair, on the big, I know we talk about their record against those top six sides still not being quite top notch, um, but. There have been they have turned up for the Derby game, Derby County game this season. They have they did turn up for the Plymouth game, even though the, the points mm. slipped at the end. I thought both fans and players really sort of turned up and made made them real sort of occasions. And uh, yeah, it needs to be that again on Saturday. Yeah, I've written something this morning, which is a bit rabble rousing, saying that it's on the players now to reignite our belief in the season. Um, and you mentioned there that the record against the top six and their recent form. Does not make for the best of readings, but clearly still a lot of time left. They've got games to come still against Wednesday. They've still got to play Derby away, Barnsley, Bolton. They've got some big games left. It is, in theory, clearly, unless Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday win all their remaining games, it's still an element of it being in their own hands. If they can put a run together and really get going again, then this is where it could start. Right then, um, there's a lot to talk about. One of the main things being, of course, who plays uh, and who, if any, survive from that team that did well at Burnley. Um, and I want to start with a little bit of a, a mailbag question from our friend Bono, who has sent us in a little video. So let's kick off with this. Hello, Kings. It is I, Bono. And this is a video response to your tweet apropos the Sheffield Wednesday game, the big game, the top of the table almost game this weekend at Fortress Portman Road. Personally, I think we've got to go for it. We have to, don't we? Right. Is that must-win game? Are we into that territory yet with 17 to go? Is it 17? <laughs> I think it is. Um, so, yeah, I think we will go for it. Sheffield Wednesday also play football the right way. Sorry to use air quotes. Um, 
So yeah, it's going to be a good game. Um, and I think we'll come out on top. 3-0 Ipswich Town. No Macaulay Bond though to embarrass Bailey Peacock Farrell, as I'm going to call him. Very nervous goalkeeper, I noticed, in the two Burnley games. Um, question, could Shawnee Aluko do a role slightly deeper in the centre of the park? If Evans is injured, then could Aluko drop a little bit deeper and um, maybe pull those strings in the centre of the park? And a final supplementary question. I watched Syria A this weekend. The Sampdoria goalie wore their away kit, which is a different colour to the outfielders. Um, could or should we do that? I think it'd be really cool to see Christian Welton wearing the black kit. You know, the black kit that's kind of grey. But yeah, I think that would be great. So I'm looking forward to the game. And yeah, I'll see you all down there. Cheers. There we go then, the thoughts of Bono. Very positive, a very positive man. 3-0, he's predicting, which uh, with, would be a remarkable result. Um, I think my main takeaway from that is it appears that Bono's still got his Christmas cards up behind him. Um, I don't know if that's something that he does all year round, just to keep that Christmas spirit. Anyway, let us know. Let's take that in order then, Stu. So, um, must win, first of all. Is this a must win? Uh, in terms of automatic promotion... Must not lose. Definitely that. Uh, I think that's probably just about where I'll draw the line on it because, you know, we talked about Cambridge was must win, but then the conversation still continues about, well, they could still do it and there's still a long <laughs> way to go. You know, we're still lots of football to be played, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, must not lose. I'll leave it what, at that. What do you say, Rossi? You're a man prone to a bit of hyperbole, just like me. Um Stewie so saying it's a must not lose. What do you reckon? Are you going to go a bit further? Mm, yeah, we've got to win, haven't we? We've got to win. I know, you know, Sheffield Wednesday beat Plymouth. Um, we didn't beat Plymouth. Um, I know Plymouth had, a, you know, that big news with Michael Cooper now out for the season. But mm. let's not let's not talk about them. Let's talk about us. And uh, yeah, we've got to win at Portman Road. Make that statement as well. Beating a top team. So, um, yeah, if we lose, then I hate to say it. No, no. Two, no, uh, no, I won't say it. I won't say it because, you know. I mean, if they let's be honest, if they lose and Derby and Bolton win and we're sitting here on Monday with Ipswich Town in fifth place, having been mm. away and clear with the top three for most of the season, that would be pretty deflating. <laughs> pretty deflating. Um, the other question there, and obviously there are a lot of chats we had around the team selection, and but I want to, I want to take some questions first and then we can finish maybe with your boys' take on the team. Um, Bono mentioned Aluko, Shawnee Aluko. Could he do a, a deeper role, maybe dropping back into midfield? And there's also another question um, we got from All Things ITFC around Aluko. He says, why is Aluko not making the league match day 18? He's made the squad once in the last four, uh, in the last four league matches uh, and got 10 minutes in that match. In my opinion, he's a better option from the bench than some who are being played, in my opinion. So do you want to just talk about Shawnee Aluko, Stu, uh, and where he might have a role to play in this game. Sean Luco was outstanding on Tuesday night at Burnley, an absolute joy to watch. He was mm -hmm. in one of his moods where he was just dancing around people. There was one moment tight to the right-hand touchline where the Olays came out from the Ipswich fans because he beat about mm -hmm. three men. Uh, you'll have seen the, the through ball that led to the equaliser early on. 
brilliant. Um, in answer to your question, why isn't he on the bench more? Well, I'd be interested to say who, if it was who is he better than the better options. You're then talking about well, then okay, Marcus Harness has to not be on the bench or. Uh, Caden Jackson, who were also waxing lyrical about off the back of these two Burnley games. Um, Kyle Edwards, who people are now pushing for to be our game-changing option. And should he be getting more minutes? So somebody has to miss out. Um, mm. And that's where Ipswich are at at the moment with, with the options that they've got. Central midfield is quite an interesting debate. Um, if Evans is out for a little while, if Luongo, you know, we'll see what happens with these two injuries. That leaves Morsi and Humphreys. Morsi, you would bet your house on him getting a yellow card against Sheffield Wednesday in a game of this magnitude. And if he gets that, he's suspended for the next two league games. He misses the trip to Bristol Rovers in midweek and he'll miss the Forest Green home match. And if Ipswich have got some injury issues there, we're now starting to talk about who can, who's going to play alongside Cameron, uh, Cameron Humphreys in central midfield for those two games. Luco. Is hmm. is a decent option for that, to be fair, because he's quite he's quite strappy as well. He'll get he'll get stuck in. He'll give you that side of things as well. Um, it was Harness who ended up playing central midfield when McKenna just chucked on all his attackers at Cambridge, um, which which surprised me. But um, yeah, I think you'd probably be looking at a Harness or an Aluko to kind of fill in in a slightly unusually more deeper role if if that scenario did come did come to pass. Okay, let's say I want you to give us a team uh, at the end of this, so um, let's stick with that. Rossi, Matt Thomas, our fighty friend, Matt Thomas, friend of the show. Do you think Wes Burns has become too reactionary? I've been looking at his play for the last several games, and he rarely makes a run to force the pass, generally only, only moving when the ball is kicked, that split second being crucial. I really like him. This just seems a repairable issue. So have you noticed a little bit of a drop-off with Wes? I know he didn't play on Tuesday night, but is that a concern you share? I would say that's a concern, but he has, you know, I think like everybody, he has dropped off a little bit this year. I think he was never going to be, he was never going to have a, a second season like he had last season. You know, he was never going to be, you know, because some teams, I hate to say it, may have found out how he plays and, mm. you know, maybe they'll put two men on him. Um, his partnership with Genoi isn't as, you know, great as it was last year. But, you know, he's still a player in there and he has games where I thought, oh, he, he's, he's the old Wes of old here. Um, but there is times where I'm like, oh, here we go. It's the same cross. Oh, I've been blocked easy. Um, but I'm not concerned about it. But he's, he's not the big threat that we were loving last year. But we've got Leif Davis now, who, who you know, who's having a, a good season. But, um, but yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. Okay. Stu, I know you, you're the kind of guy, you and Hutchie up there, probably watching little minutiae, things like that. Is that an issue with Wes, do you think, in, in being slightly more passive? I think he's been treading a, a tightrope for quite a while, actually, in terms of keeping his place in the team. If I'm being hypercritical of Wes Burns, big big fan of him as a, as a person, as a player, as we all are. But um, something's been missing this season in terms of the way he's beating people, taking people on. His end product, as, as Ross says, is, has not been there more often than not. And Caden Jackson has has really put his hand up uh, in these in these last couple of games he's he's I think we're all defining him as a as a as a right winger now as as this kind of uh advanced right wing back role that that uh that Wes Burns has been playing um 
the only thing that you think going into this is Wes Burns has turned up for the big games and the big moments this season. Um, winner against Portsmouth, winner against Derby, scored the Oprah against Plymouth. Um, like we were talking about Christian Walton having enough credit in the bag to kind of, you know, to, to get the nod for this magnitude of game. I think Wes Burns is just about there. Um, mm. There is obviously the, the added um, confusion as to what this injury is that kept him out on Tuesday night and whether it was just a preventative, a precautionary sort of um, leave, leave at home job or not. But um I'd be very comfortable with Caden Caden Jackson playing in this game. Um, there might be another role that they might consider for Caden as well if it's not on that right side for Wes Burns, which is which is over on the left, which is where he played at Hillsborough earlier in the season. They gave him a bit of a bespoke position out on the left, and he had Dominic Iorfa absolutely on toast in that match. So that might be something in uh, in Kieran McKenna's mind going into this one as well. Did he leave him with twisted blood, Watson? That's one of my favourite phrases you, you trot out. No, Shawnee Aluko leaves people with twisted blood. Ah. Um, yeah, Caden Jackson had him on toast with his, with his pace. He was, Excellent. Uh, yeah, Caden Jackson does isn't a twisty turny player, is he? He's, he's, he's a turn on the afterburners and, uh, yeah, leave, leave him in his wake type of guy. A wonderful turn of phrase. Right then, um, Arthur Pickthorn, King Arthur says, and you've already touched on it, Stu, what does Carl Edwards need to do to get more game time? When we, fir we first played for his reaction was, how have we got this guy in League One? I remember that well. Um, his end product isn't always consistent, but being an impact player is counting against him. He's our secret weapon hiding in plain sight. A lot of excitement around Kyle. He's kind of been in and out of the side and um, very much a fringe player for, for most of the season. He had that brief kind of run in the team, didn't he? We've always, I always refer to him as an X factor. I think he's the biggest kind of X factor guy they've got. Um, your thoughts? Be more consistent. He's he's a slightly sort of on a lesser scale, Burson Selena vibes, a man who can be that X factor, who can provide that moment of magic to un to unlock the door. Does he do it enough consistently? I think people remember the the highlights, real moments from him, and it's quite easy to forget the times that he perhaps will will get the rare start or come on and and um, and and not produce. So mm. McKenna's had a long, long look at him, and there's a reason that he's not he's not sort of hung his hat on him week in week out, whether that be as a starter or even just as a a spot on the bench and and coming on. So. Um, yeah, been encouraging signs. I, I would say going into the January transfer window, I was I was starting to think that it was the beginning of the end for Kyle Edwards when I was looking at the players that were coming in and the, the lack of game time that, that he'd had. But, you know, the, the performance off the bench against Cambridge um, has put him back in the picture. Uh, it's a big decision to make on the bench. Um, I guess the one upside of these injuries to Evans and, and Luongo, if they don't make it for the weekend, is that there's another attacking spot on the bench. Um, however you want to use that. So that, that boosts the chance of, of when we've talked about Aluko or Edwards, you know, one of them being on the bench with, with the likes of Harness, Jackson, Hurst, if, if they don't start or, or whoever else, or even using it for Greg Lee, who, um, mm. who I really want to see amongst the, the bench. I think you've got to find a way. I, I can see McKenna's logic about not having, too many defenders on the bench and, and having as many attacking options as you've got. But for me, Greg Lee is an attacking option as well. And uh, I thought he was one, you know, he's been one of the standout players across the two games against Burnley. And I think it was um, 
I think we undervalued how much of an impact he had during the, the start of the season when he was the one sort of dovetailing with, with Leif Davis and coming on on the hour mark and keeping up that intensity that Ipswich have because the, the, the lopsided asymmetrical nature of this team, we talked about sort of Wes Burns playing, maybe Ipswich teams working out, Ipswich play Burns high and, and right and then the, the left-sided number 10 tucks in and, and the left-back has huge demands on them to get up and down that left side. And there have been some times that Leif Davis has uh, some signs that he's tired a little bit. Mm. I think as the season's gone on, we forget that it's his first proper season of week in, week out men's football. Um, I want to see Greg Lee starting to have a bit bit more of a significant role now, um, especially off the back of these Burnley performances. Rossi, is Carl Edwards, we talk about him as an impact player and an X-Factor player, is he is he better coming off the bench. That role with those five subs now is is almost like a role in itself, isn't it? Um and is he would would you rather see him come off the bench than 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 start a game, if you know what I mean? As an impact, a guy who can change a game potentially. I think it depends on the the team sometimes, you know, the, the word for him is he needs to be consistent, but he hasn't had that opportunity to be consistent. He's not had that, you know, Game by game, he's he's come in a few games and he's you know not played and he's come back. So it's mm. hard for players to be consistent. Um, but I think he's definitely a great impact player to bring on. But those games, I feel like no, he's actually the man to start here. Um, yeah, once again, it depends. And big game on on Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday. I think maybe that probably isn't the game for him to start. He's definitely a good impact player. Um, so that's where I'll go with Edwards definitely this weekend. Okay, we'll come back to the team in a minute. I just want to talk a little bit about Sheffield Wednesday, boys, and what you're kind of expecting from them. You've obviously seen them play town already this season. Um, You look at their stats, Josh Windass, leading scorer, tied with Michael Smith, both 11 goals. Windass has got five assists. Barry Bannon, as you'd expect, their leading assist man. He's got six and also 76 chances created, which is right up there in, in terms of League One stats clearly a very key man for them he was injured most of January he's just come back started the last league game so clearly they reckon he's back up to speed after that hamstring injury generally they play a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-1-2 and in that scenario Windass drops back and plays as the 10 with with two up top Smith part of that two up top um Stewie what are you expecting from Wednesday in this game they're they're clearly going to come with ambition (laughs) they're not going to sit back and, and 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 try and park the bus what 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 do you what do you think they'll be wanting to do yeah, with the with the form that they're in, they'll be coming here, buoyed by the the win against Plymouth last weekend, to to really lay down a marker. If they could beat Plymouth and Ipswich in consecutive weekends, um, what a statement that is! But mm. maybe maybe having beaten Plymouth, they'll think actually had come to Portman Road. I'm sure that there'll be an element of respect shown to Ipswich. How much respect they show, I don't know. They'll be mindful of the fact that Ipswich went two 0 up at, at their place and gave them a you know. It took a couple of late goals to to rescue a point there. They'll be thinking, actually, at the start of that week, win the home game against Plymouth, get a draw at Portman Road. They'll be quite happy with that. Um, they don't score, generally, loads of goals, but they've been really tight at the back. Yeah. Um, I think they're, they're one clean sheet away from a, from equaling or beating their club record clean sheets in a season um, with plenty of games to go. Um, have replaced uh, Mark McGuinness really well at centre-half with Aidan Flint big experienced campaigner that will keep up that physical presence that they've got at the back, someone who would be a real threat on set pieces as, as well. Um, yeah, uh, 
there's not a lot between these two squads, I don't think. When you write them down on paper and you look at it, it'd be really difficult if you were picking a kind of combined 11 out of the two. Maybe Sheffield Wednesday just edge it on sort of current form, you'd have to say, in terms of <clears throat> some of those 50-50 calls in certain positions. Um, just a massive, massive, massive game that you can't really... Uh, I don't think there's a lot between these two sides and uh, very, very difficult to call. Hmm. You say they're the they're stinginess at the back. They've only conceded 18 league goals, which is by far the best record in League One. Rossi, I've reeled off some some player names there. Obviously, there's others I could have mentioned. Who who in the Wednesday side really worries you when you look at that side and you'd be keen on on Saturday? Yeah, they've got a good team. You know, Barry Bannon, you know, I know you already mentioned him, but he's definitely the one. He's um he's too good for League One. You know, he, he showed it last year, he's shown it again this year. Um, a lot of people say he's the one that makes Sheffield Wednesday tick, but they've got some other good players. It's not just he's the one-man show there. Um, mm. You know, George Byers in the midfield of him. He, he's he's another key player in that midfield that makes that Sheffield Wednesday team tick. Um, you know, Michael Smith, he scored goals in this division before. You know, he was the man who scored that equaliser at Hillsborough. He scored goals for Rotherham. Um, they've got a good team. Um, and Aidan Flint, Stuart Watson loves hairy ass defenders, and he is one of the. If you if you look at that, the meaning of hairy ass defenders, Aidan Flint is a picture of him, um, and he's a great signing for them. Yeah, losing Mark McGuinness was a big blow, but to get him on loan from Stoke, and he's got you know he's got credentials of winning promotion in this division as well. He was he scored so many goals for Bristol City that one year. I was, I was always it was funny to see Aidan Flint scoring like I think he scored like fifteen goals for Bristol City one season from the fence. Um, but they've got Will Vokes as well. He's a good player. He's a really good player as well. So uh, on paper, their team is just too good for League One. And that's, they're, they're proving why they're top of the league because they've got you know good players in every position pretty much. Mm. Sure, you mentioned <clears throat> clearly in the away game, Town went 2-0 up um, and, and uh, you could argue should have won that game offside goal, etc. How did they approach it then? Uh, how did they kind of take that that kind of dominance in that game? To take that lead and do you think there's anything they can replicate you mentioned earlier Caden Jackson for example playing on the left it's a little while back I was trying to remember sort of how it's a lot of games game went, but yeah. um it's, what sticks in my mind is how they utilize Caden Jackson on the left and, mm. and use that pace to hit them on the counter attack and uh that's where they got their joy in that match but how much of that game is still relevant now where teams have changed a little bit um I don't know. Um, Ipswich are now at home, so the dynamic dynamic of the game changes a little bit. The onus is always a bit more on the on the home team to kind of set the tone and and come at them a little bit. I, you say Sheffield Wednesday will come with intent. I wonder if they'll kind of. I imagine they'll they'll come to kind of keep it tight early on, and just make sure they're sort of in the game. And you'd be saying if you were Darren Moore, just just keep this quiet, get quiet in this crowd early on. Um, and then, you know, maybe maybe some nerves come into it. That's always the, the message, isn't it, from a manager when you come into a game of this magnitude with, with a big crowd and everything. So um, by all accounts, I think Ross was saying before we came on, Darren Moore wasn't that pleased with his team's performance against Plymouth, even though they, they won that game 1-0. It doesn't sound like they were bang on form. Um, wasn't Certainly wasn't happy with their sort of uh, their fringe players uh, showing against Fleetwood in midweek. So Ipswich have to 
forget we, we talk a lot about Sheffield Wednesday and reeled off all of their players. There has to be a, some self-belief here and it has to be a bit of an attitude of it's about what we do, not them. And on our day, if we can perform, we're more than a match for anyone. Look, we've just gone and done what we've done against Burnley, who are what they are in the Championship. So Sheffield Wednesday certainly shouldn't. We shouldn't be quaking at the knees of facing Sheffield Wednesday after those two Burnley games. Hmm. Okay, right then. Should we get to the, the main event, which is your side uh, and discussions around just a couple more thoughts before we get to that <clears throat> terry tester says um i'd start moore's in cam in the middle jackson over burns on the right stew and then he says stuart watson inflatable going to milton Keynes." so there we go i don't know is, is that what is that are there stuart watson inflatables out there can we uh can we get before we, t- we talked about maybe trying to find inflatable eggs didn't we it might be a more <laughs> affordable option but apparently they don't exist um <laughs> Yeah, um, I want to see. I've got, I've got an inflatable story for you. Actually, Andy just just proclaimed on our way home from Burnley that he woke up one morning this week to find a, an inflatable, um, an inflatable sex doll just sort of in the middle of his road at the bottom of his street. Oh, he just okay. just went out. Yeah, not not in his house. It wasn't yeah. his. So so this so he claims. Yeah, um, yeah. And he when showed he... me a picture of just it was just lying sort of head in the road. I don't know how it had got there. What the backstory is to that, but um, crazy days when yeah. you said he woke up, I assumed that he'd be in, in his bed, either that or, or asleep on the street. We all know Hutchie, uh, is a bit of a bit of a wild boy. Uh, and then just finally, Michael Bixby, uh, he offers a team by way of uh, segueing into the team. He says, Walton Clark, Wolfie Burgess, Davis, Burns, Morsey Humphreys, Chaplin, Broadhead, and the Dapo. And he adds. I wouldn't play Edmonton. He's a liability. Um, so there we go. Stewie, do you want to talk about um, your team? You're penning a bit, which will go online tomorrow morning, which is basically the big selection calls that McKenna's got to make. Um, approach it how you want to. Are there any... Um, is it is it better maybe to start with the guys you think will definitely play and then talk around the, yeah. the kind of ones that are a debate around? Approach yeah, it how you okay. want to, my friend. Um, Walt, Walton's in goal. I think he... He, um, you know, that we had the debate about the goalkeepers going into that Cambridge game. I thought Walton, with the penalty save and his general performance, you know, backed up what we were saying. He's he's mm-hmm. their number one. Um, central midfield, I guess, is going to pick itself in in Morsi and Humphreys, mm-hmm. depending on on how Evans and, and Luongo are. So, um, Humphreys, I think we're we're all kind of uh, have faith in him for for a game of this magnitude. Now he's. Uh, He's shown he's he's mature enough and, and ready enough. I thought he was another one that came out of Tuesday night with with a great deal of credit. Um, Chaplin has to play with the goals that he's scored and, and the moments that he's he's had this season. I think you've got to play Broadhead when you've you've paid the money that you have for him this season. Uh, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of him thus far, but you know I think he he has to start. Um, They're kind of the real nailed-on ones for me. And then it's where you're getting into a bit of a debate around other areas of the team. Centre-half is a really interesting area of the team. Um, I want to see Harry Clark as as Mm -hmm. right-back. Even though he got hooked at half-time against Cambridge, um, could have been anyone. Personally, it wouldn't have been Harry Clark for me. I think he's someone that's going to be really 
you're talking about having a someone that can fire up the crowd and come into a big game with a bit of passion and give it switch a bit of dynamism and, and forward thrust. It's Harry Clark for me at, at right back. Um, the two centre half positions, Wolfram doing a few bit a bit of his sort of casual, bit too casual at times at Tuesday on Tuesday night at, at Burnley. Probably wasn't strong enough for, for the winner at the end. Edmondson's had a couple of little wobbles, gave away the penalty at Cambridge, nearly gave away a carbon copy one uh, on Tuesday night as well. So I can see what, what, where people are coming from with that. Uh, and you've got big Michael Smith up front, um, which have tried to, to do different things. They've tried to go with Keogh against Stockton, and then which worked. And then they tried with Keogh again against Joe Ironside, which didn't work. Um, I do wonder if this is turn back to Cameron Burgess territory, someone who's going to be, you talk about Aidan Flint being a big, big lad as well, who's going to come up and be a threat at set pieces. Is this Cameron Burgess territory? Um, probably for Edmondson out of the two, because I think Wolfenden is key to sort of playing out from the back and having that that sort of calmness in, in the hurly-burly of a, of a big game situation. So I think I would be tipping towards Cameron Burgess, which is a risk because he's not played for a little while now, but you know, for me, he's been their most improved player this season mm. and they've looked at their most solid defensively probably when he was in the team. So I do wonder if uh, if if Burgess might might come back in the team for Edmondson um, in terms of uh, centre-half. Ross, okay. you were nodding there. Are you, mm. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that as well. And yeah, Luke Wolford and... Um, He's, he's he's a key man in that defence. And as you said, play around from the back. He's got he's got to start every game pretty much for me. And uh, yeah, Cameron Burgess is an interesting one because as you said he hasn't played. It's going to be a literally a month since he last played, which is just mad to think about it. Um, would it be a risk to bring him in for this such a big game? But Michael Smith is a big boy, and I think you know sometimes you need to have a big boys to. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Where am I going with this? Uh, I would start Cameron Burgess as well, even though Joy Emerson has been good since he's come back. I think this could be a perfect game for Burgess. Okay, so we've got Clark, Wolfenden, Burgess by virtue of consent so far. Does that mean then, Stu, you're going to throw a little left back conundrum up into the air as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll throw it into the air. I think ultimately that conundrum will will end with Leif Davis playing again because again, talking about credit in the bank, the number of assists that he's got. He's the corner taker. He's he's been very good. I think it will ultimately be Leif Davis, but there have been some signs recently, as, as I said earlier, that this first full season in men's football is maybe just catching up on him a little bit. There were times at Cambridge where I thought he was kind of epitomised Ipswich being a little bit too passive in that first half where he'd get the ball and then he'd turn back and he'd have too many touches. And um, Greg Lee, by contrast, was 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 athletic and has been marauding and I think his crossing is pretty good and crucially he provides so much more of a sort of physical um, strength to Ipswich than Leif Davis. I still worry about Leif Davis getting caught under high balls at the back post at times. I think Greg Lee gives you a bit more of a, a solid hmm. solidness aerially at, at the back post um, from a defensive point of view as well. So I think that is definitely a... Um, a major conundrum going into this game that, that ultimately will probably end with, with Davis playing. But but I do want to see if it is Davis, Greg Lee amongst those subs. What would you do though, Stu? Would you play Davis if you were picking the side? 
I think so. Just after weighing up all that evidence, I think I'd mm. still go with with Leif Davis. Um, but is, yeah, there's a, there's a decision to be made. Yeah. Do you know what? For some reason, I'm swaying more for Greg Lee. You know, after his performances um, against Burnley, um, and he's you know he's he's got a bit more physical side to the game as well. And as we said, you know, I think Sheffield Wednesday will be physical a little bit as well. But Leith Davis has been, has been great, you know, this season. So do you know what? You know what? No, go on, then. Greg Lee to start. Why not? Go for it. Okay. And again, I, I, when Andy says it would be great if this was how the sort of the um, yeah. kind of sort <laughs> yeah. of uh, decision making went. Do you know what? F it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Greg. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Sheffield Wednesday do down their right hand side. Callum Patterson has been playing on the right for them. He was their man of the match in the win against Plymouth last mm-hmm. weekend. Scored the winner. Um, but came off with a with a nasty looking hamstring injury in that match, and is a bit of a doubt going into this one. So they might they might have to make a change down that right hand side, um, which might come into sort of Ipswich's um, thinking in terms of what they do on the left, in terms of whether they how offensive they go with go with their option. Yeah. Okay. Right then. So we've got Walton, we've got Clark, we've got Edmondson, uh, Edmondson, Wolfenden, Burgess, Susan Davis. Rossi is saying Lee. It's kind of a shame Greg Lee plays left back, isn't it? Because I, I, he's one of those players. I think you just got to find a way of getting him into into a side. He brings so much upside and and potential into the side. Outrageous athleticism, um, and he, he's just one of those guys I just want to see play. Right then, so that's uh, that's the back five. Then we've got Morsey and Humphreys consensus. So as ever, it always seems to be the main chat is going to be around those front four. You've already said Broadhead will start, Stewie. I'm assuming Rossi, you'd, you'd agree with that. So that leaves us with and Chaplin as well. I think we've oh, we've you said got, Chaplin. We've okay, got put, we've got to put Chaplin in okay. as well with 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 his goals this season. Um, so we've got we've got right right side. Yeah, usually the Westburn spot, and of course the striker. There's great narratives around both striking options in this game. Ladapo has always done well against Sheffield Wednesday. Hurst is the son of a Sheffield Wednesday legend and also left the Owls in acrimonious circumstances and actually uttered the words in the cliche of the year so far, we need to knock Sheffield Wednesday off their perch, knock the Owls off their perch. He actually said that. Mm. Um, so, Stewie, do you want to kick us off right side and striker? Give us your your working out and thoughts. Yeah, we, we've talked a bit around that right-hand side, haven't we? We've talked about Wes Burns not... All season, we seem to have been talking about Wes Burns not quite being the Wes Burns of old. There have been fleeting moments where we've talked about, yeah, that's it, he's back. And then and then he's not sustained it. Mm. Um, it depends how much Tuesday night took out of Caden Jackson because he, he was absolutely running on fumes towards the end of that game. Um, and also where Wes Burns is at with this sort of uh, unknown injury as well. So there, there's a couple of factors to take into there. But let's just assume as we sit here now that both men are fully fit and fine and it's a straight decision. Honestly, I think I might even be edging towards Caden Jackson at the moment, even with the Wes Burns big moments thing that I talked about. Um I'd go. I'd go with Caden Jackson because what he what he can give the team both going forwards and defensively. Uh, I re- I really like him in this right sided role at the moment. I think he's improving mm. with it every game as well. Mm. And of course, he's played he's played against Wednesday and done well already this season. Rossi, would you agree? Would, would it be uh, Caden for you? 
Well, yeah, he's he's the one who said, "Here I am, Kieran McKenna." You know, I want to start the big game. Um, once again, that's, that's how that's how McKenna will, will pick his team. Yeah, just if someone puts their hand up, yep, I'm playing. Okay, yep, Caden, go on. But yeah, as Sue said, you, you know, he's he's improving every game every time he plays on that right side. So yeah, why not start him? Okay, all right. The final one, the sexy one, then up top, Stewie. Freddie Ladapo is a man in form, player of the month in January. Good history of scoring goals against Sheffield Wednesday. George Hurst has just had his best game in a town shirt, opened his account. Who's going to claim it? Might have been an own goal. And also has that history with Sheffield Wednesday. So which way do you go with this one at the top of the pitch in such a big game? Maybe the most difficult decision of all going into this game because... I, I do get swayed a little bit by narrative. And I think, and it's not just when we talk about Hurst sort of being up for playing a former club, you do have to take that sort of stuff into account because it is important. Mm. I do think it gets an extra percentage or so out of players. Um, and he looked really good. I thought uh, McKenna really praised his all-round performance on Tuesday night. George Hurst, um, by far his best performance for us so far was was his verdict on that. He looked really physical. He was backing into people. Um, they, he was making it stick when it was coming up to him. He was getting people to play off of him. He was in the right place to score his goal. His goal. We're going to call it his goal until someone He'll call it his goal, definitely. Yeah. Um, his movement, I think, looks really clever. Um, but again, we talk about credit in the bank. And for me, Freddie Ladapo has built enough credit in the bank going into this game to get the nod. I think he's had a really good January and February thus far. I think he's he's so much further ahead in terms of learning how to play at the tip of this McKenna system and what's required. And it's taken him six months to kind of get his head around adapting to that and being the man that can link it and, and be in the right place at the right time. And I, and I think Hurst is still kind of earlier in that journey at the moment. So, um, Freddie Ladapo for me. I'm with you, mate. I'd start Big Fred all day long. Uh, and whenever Hurst, because Hurst will play, whenever he comes on, he's going to be super fired up and motivated, isn't he? So um, the best of both worlds in many ways. Rossi, who would you start? Would you go Big Fred or would you go Hursty? Big Fred. Big Fred yes. for me. Uh, as as Stu said, you know, with Hurst, with his connection to Wednesday, of course, you always go, oh, yeah, start him because of that and he'll be well up for the game. But Big Fred will be as well and he, he's up for the big game. He's been able to score against some of the big teams as well this year. So, the Dapo for me. Hmm. Okay. So, I think team-wise... There's one, there's one other option, sorry. Is yep. it, is we talked about Broadhead having to play because of the money they've paid for him and mm -hmm. his pedigree, etc. But, you know, if you really wanted to get... We talked about Burns and Jackson being a really tough call. If you wanted to get both of them in, you could go Jackson left, Burns right, which would mean Broadhead not playing. But um, that's just a, another little curveball to throw in there. But well, let me ask you, this, yeah, yeah, because uh, before I, I read out the team, McKenna is prone to doing things that, that surprise us. Um, he's never completely predictable. And you've mentioned mm. one there. Do you think there are any kind of little um, surprise X factor? Throw things that up would, in the air sort that of would be the that would yeah. be the one sort of yeah curveball thing. I note that. Um, Stephen Schumacher, the Plymouth manager, said before the, the build-up to, to the game at uh, Hillsborough last weekend that they'd got their number of Sheffield Wednesday tactically. They they, they knew what Sheffield Wednesday were going to do and Darren Moore sort mm. of hit back at that and said, oh, we're a very different team to last year and 
Um, so there was a bit of a tactical mind games going on between the two managers going into that one. Um, so, yeah, if I'd be very surprised if McKenna did anything too drastic to come away from sort of the, the general principles of, of what he wants from the team. Um, I don't personally, I don't think he'll go with the Jackson Burns thing from the start. I think he'll want to keep the semblance of, you know, what 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 his side and structure has looked like in, in general. But um, I thought I'd just throw that one out there. I liked it. And you preempted a question I was going to ask anyway. So, right, so the starting 11, this is this is the side you've picked. Walton, Clark, uh, Burgess, Wolfenden, Davis for Stu, Lee for Roscoe, Morsin Humphreys in midfield. And then we've got Jackson, everyone's saying Jackson, Chaplin, Minty, Broadhead, and Big Fred up top. So that's the side that you think will play. How about the bench, Stu? We always have to have a chat around the bench, don't we? Um, how I suppose it's hard to predict without knowing the extent of Luongo and Evans' injuries and potentially Burns as well. Um, who would you be sticking on the bench? You've got to have a goalkeeper on there. So Hackey yep. ticks one spot. You're going to have whoever doesn't start out the two strikers is going to be on there. So that's that's another box ticked. Whoever doesn't, if Burns is fit, whoever doesn't start out of those two will be on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's three. And then you're starting to fill in the gaps. And McKenna's to... If, if there is no other backup central midfielder available, that gives you some other options. Harness, I think, will definitely be on there. I want to see Greg Lee on that bench for reasons discussed throughout this. Do you then need Danassian as well? Because Greg Lee could play that left. Greg Lee, if you really had to put him in at centre-half, mm. I'm sure he could do that. Harry Clark can move in and play centre-half if, if he had to. Uh, and you'd have to drop you know, if Burns is in the team, he could drop back in a little bit deeper, you know. But it's it's and then you're talking about what so let's put Lee on. And then if you want Edwards and Aluko, you'd have to leave Janoy Danassian out, and that would you're very short of defenders on there. That's a very offensive bench. But if you've got um, Leon, you're saying there you would you'd probably leave Danassian off, wouldn't you? Poor old Janoy, how have we got to this? <laughs> Well, at the bench that I've just read out there, if we're going with the team that we've we've gone with, mm. I've got Hlaki, Lee, Edwards, Aluko, Harness, Jackson. Sorry, Jackson's in our team. So mm. say Burns if he's fit. Hlaki, Lee, Edwards, Aluko, Harness, Burns, Hurst. So you've got no no centre-halves and no central midfielders on that bench. Um, but the central midfielder thing is kind of forced upon you. And you're taking a bit of a calculated risk going with a with a Lee instead of a Danassi. And that, that would be my personal thinking. Any thoughts, Rossi? It's a, it's a good thing that Town have got here. They've got a, a, good, a lot of options, which um, some clubs will be envying. Um, I'm echoing really what Stu's. Do you not? Yeah. Do you need that? Do you need Janoy on there if you've got players who are starting, like Harry Clark and Greg Lee, if he does start, they can go and, you know, play centre-half if needed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to echo what Stu said, I think. I think um, I'm pretty happy with what he said. Excellent. I guess the, I guess the thing is with Janoy is that you, then what if there's a scenario where Ipswich have got themselves into a lead and then you're trying to think about players that can help you mm. see it out and defend and that's where you probably... 
you know, he brought on Janai at half time for Harry Clark at Cambridge. So I I would imagine he will be on that bench. And then if you do then still want Greg Lee as well, that's where you're in a scenario where someone like Edwards or Aluko has to miss out. Mm. And we've had mailbag questions going, Aluko has to be involved. Edwards has to be involved. Um, that's where Ipswich are at. People have to people have to be left out by the nature of the squad that they've pieced together. A beautiful problem to have, but it is definitely a problem. Um, and and like... there is also, remember, a trip coming up to Bristol Rovers a few days mm -hmm. later on the Tuesday. So whoever is disappointed in this game, whether it's the starting eleven or, or the bench, will be required in these games yeah. to come. And what we can't afford is an after-the-Lord Mayor's show scenario, isn't it? After this huge game at the weekend, they go to Bristol and lay an egg. That's that's not a shot at you, Watson. That's um, just not playing very well. Uh, prediction time then, boys. I have to ask you for a prediction. I'm going to come to you first, Rossi, so you can't just say what Stewie says. Um, I said 2-1 in the in the, uh, the preview that I did of February. I also said 3-0 at Cambridge, so I'm already wrong on that. I think most of us are wrong on that, to be fair. 2-1 <clears throat> town win. A big, big statement win. Standing up, making us believe. All those things I wrote about this morning. I think the players will be bang up for it, and I think they'll do it. 2-1, what are you saying? I'm going to make sure in all the content we do for the rest of this week, I won't keep going on about big game, big game. That's what I always do when we play these big games and add the cliche klaxon. And I'm going to be a bit cliche here. I'm going to be very predictable. I want to go for a draw because uh, that is the predictable scoreline, really, isn't it? So 1-1. One, one. I think this could be the Plymouth game, maybe all over. We'll take the lead. You know, going to be great atmosphere. You know, going to be packed out Portland Road. You know, maybe Freddie, big Fred will score. And then uh, out of nowhere, Sheffield Wednesday score a scrappy goal to equalise and they'll be happy and we'll be like, oh, here we go oh, again. I really hope that doesn't happen because that'd be the worst yeah. possible narrative if that happens. Yeah. Stewie, what do you reckon? Oh, no. I agree, <coughs> I agree with Ross. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did predictions, didn't we, for the games ahead pre-Cambridge yeah. and, I, and I got sucked into at that stage. You said win, uh, that's just, right. Yeah, they just beaten Morecambe. They've got the draw against Burnley. I was feeling good about things. And, and uh, I think I went, yeah, go on then. I'll put them down for a win against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, now it's here. I think 1-1 one, one looks like the, the score. When I look at the results that they've had. And uh, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the prediction I've gone with, 1-1. One, one. Okay, so two one ones, a two one from me, and a three nil from Bono. He's feeling very, very optimistic indeed. Let's hope he's right out of all of us. Right, then, friends, just this uh, final thing to get before we say goodbye. Just got a video drop in from the Maldives, so let's take it um, as a way of adding a little bit of light to the end of the show. Hey, Kings, this is Peter, your Warsaw, Warsaw correspondent, checking in from the Maldives, where I've been sent by the KOA podcast to check out any. Uh, breaking transfer rumours. Nothing going on at the moment, but uh, keep the expenses money flowing in, please. Uh, quick question for you. What's your favourite type of goal? I like a long-range volley from outside the box. Obvs. So let us know what you think on your best type of goal, what, you re what really floats your boat, if you pardon the pun. Cheers, guys. See you, see you next time. It's a hard life for Peter, and I, I appreciate the work you did there, Rossi, but visually, uh, kind of shape-shifting side to side you gave peter arms at one point as well if you're not watching on video that's worth just going and watching um so peter's in the maldives he's, he's not in warsaw he's out there checking out any transfer rumors for us a hard life he found ginger pickle i note by the way on the uh, the hotel buffet um, again doing sterling work for us peter and those expenses will be on their way to you he asked and the first time I, I watched this i thought he'd asked what's your favorite type of gull 
in the Maldives. I thought, is he asking us about birds? But no, he then adds a volley from outside the box. So what's your favourite type of goal, boys? Um, Watto, what's your favourite? When there's a goal scored, if you could pick any sort of goal, how would it be How would it be netted? Uh, a thumping back post header. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you know, proper... Towering. Ronaldo, yeah, towering header. I think Ronaldo, uh, the Juventus goal, where, you know, he's, he's almost three foot above his marker. <laughs> I think uh, in, in basketball, do they call it, if you've been po- posterized? Posterized, yeah, absolutely. Posterized, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah, I must have, well, look, my love for Big Dunk is, is has been made clear on this. So, um, yeah, either that or a diving header as well, which seems oh, to yeah. be a bit of a, a dying... Are they dying out? I don't. I can't remember the last diving header I saw in in the flesh. Um, but yeah, I am a sucker for a header. When it comes to a header, do you like a, a proper like have that? Yeah, so and so. Would you like a, a smack it into the ground kind of? And it bounces up. There's always something from an aesthetic point of view, especially with a shot, isn't it? If it hits the bar on the yeah. way in, that's a good shout. Yeah, thumping it. You got to get a downward header. Mm. You've got high, you've got above your marker, you've left your marker flailing, and then a meaty forehead down into maybe down into the ground, bouncing up into the into the net. That would be, yeah. that would be good. Rossi, what's your favourite sort of goal? I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised Watson didn't say thunder bastard to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, what would you say, Rossi? Yeah, I love a screamer. I love an absolute screamer, forty yards, all that. But do you know what? I like a nice free kick. A nice. Top corner free kick, and I love. I just love her. Then a player when they score, then they run and do a knee slide and celebrate like that. Um, but yeah, I, I just like free kick, and I like one of our players to do that one day. Just come on, come on, town player. We don't score many free kicks, do we? Direct, direct free kick. Do you like a uh, do you like a power free kick, or do you like a deft curler? Deft curler, got yeah. deft curler in it. Yeah, um, just yeah, they just, just. I love the setup, and then boom, happy days. Dave Beckham, Greece. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. I, I I have a, a lot of love for a lot of goals. I think a shot from distance that hits the bar and cannons in, that's a beautiful thing. I love my favourite, one of my favourite goals ever is the um, Ronaldinho goal. Um, I can't remember who he scored against when he took it. He was inside the area, he took it on his chest, did like a 180 spin as he took it and then um, overhead kicked it over the advancing keeper, which is one of the most obscene things I've ever seen in terms of athletic ability in my life. Um, overhead kicks for me, and I also like on the, on the subject of headers, a little flicked header over the over the kind of up and over a keeper, almost going against the the kind of momentum of the keeper as he's running this way. You flick it over and back the other way, and he, he, all he has to do is kind of despairing, watch it curl over him into the into the into the far corner. Um, so I've I've been very greedy there and chosen three types of goals. <laughs> um, they all count at the end of the day. <laughs> um, right then, friends, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, thanks for listening. We've broken down Sheffield Wednesday in some considerable uh, volume uh, and excitable tones there. Anything else to mention, boys? Rossi, there's a Tractor Girls talk out, isn't there? Yep. And there's a fan social being recorded tonight. There will be. Who's on so that? Early. You said earlier that Bono's on it. But I think Bono's just trying to be on everything at the moment. He's on that again tonight. And yeah, Bono and uh, good old Alex, who hasn't been on for a while, who um, has some great thoughts. So um, yeah, look out for that. Um, you know, when you listen to this, go to that and then try to girls talk too. Tune get, in. Get them all in. What's there anything else to mention? No other business. Do you know what I did this week, boys? Very excitingly, bought myself an air fryer. You won't regret good. it. Have you got one? Yeah. They're really good, aren't they? 
I'm going to make all my snacks for the Super Bowl on Sunday in them. I had one for years, and, and to be honest, it, it never really came out. I got gifted one a, a while back, and uh, mm. everyone kept banging on. When you get to our age, you meet up with people. Oh, you got an air fryer where the <laughs> chat goes. They're really quick, you know. Save you electric as well. Oh, do they? Eventually, we got it out, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it does do all of those things. Mm. Um, Have you tried making yeah. tortilla chips in it, Stu? That's what I'll be doing. But I, I did a test run the other day. Absolutely tremendous. And also chili-flavoured chickpeas. Boom. That's what I'll be making for the Super Bowl on Sunday. But we won't talk about that because you both hate American things. And, and Hutchie's not around, so I can't have a, a proper discussion around that. But I think the Eagles are going to win. Right then, friends, that, that's it for this week. It's just over an hour of, of good chat. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, leave us a five-star review, please, on iTunes. That helps us lift our visibility in the charts. Subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from. because That also helps you have everything drop straight into your feed. And also follow us across social media, Kings of Anglia, on YouTube, especially uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also, obviously, support our sponsors. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all their excellent stuff they've got there. Lots of new stuff they've just dropped on their website. And also, of course, the man whose pickle is Ginger, Tony Southgate. Support Ginger Pickle if you want anything to do with digital marketing. Uh, and Stu, I know on Monday, by the way, you said you've been out drinking with, with Tony Southgate. Where was our invite? Absolutely outrageous. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> oh, um... oh. No, it was just uh, just a business meeting. That's all it okay. was. You'd have found it really boring, uh, just <laughs> just chatting about business and that. Tony, I'm sorry if I um, if, I think we got a bit creative with our sell of ginger pickle. I'll stick to I'll stick to the promo reads going forward. So I'm not sure I quite quite sold it in the way that Tony might have wanted, but um, you yeah. essentially said it was ginger all pickle. Shite, didn't you? <laughs> you I I, before, yeah. before I spoke to him, I, I didn't. I thought it was nonsense. I've got to be honest. But uh, then I spoke to him, and I thought it was quite interesting. That was basically uh, your spell. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. The goats of digital marketing, Ginger Pickle, get involved. We're hoping that Tao will be the goats of this game on Saturday. What a game it is. We are on the brink of the biggest game of the season. Ipswich Town at home Sheffield Wednesday. All the marbles in play. We've talked about it. Now all there is left to do is go and watch it. If you are going, enjoy it. If not, follow it all with us. And we'll be back next week, friends. And we'll hopefully be talking about a famous, famous victory. We'll see you next time.